title of my message this morning is When God Seems Real. When God Seems Real. Stories in the Bible are there for two reasons. Some of them are there to give us an example to follow, and others are there to give us examples to avoid. For example, David's story. David is known as a man after God's own heart. Because despite all his mistakes, he always went to God to repent. But he also faced a lot of consequences. His son died because of one of his mistakes. So there are examples to follow in the life of David, and there are also examples to avoid in his life. And today, we are going to look at the story of Gideon. Gideon inspires me as a person, and because I relate to him, and I believe many of you in this room will relate to him. Let's read in Judges, Judges 6, verse 9. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Judges 6, 3. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other Eastern people invaded their country. Judges 6, 5-6. They came up with their, the livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded their land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished Israel that they cried out to the Lord for help. Judges 6, 11-12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the ark of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssal. That was that one. Where his son Gideon was threshing wet in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. To me, this is very weird because Gideon was very scared. Remember, they had been oppressed for seven whole years, so he was scared. And there was nothing that looked like Gideon was indeed a mighty warrior. It almost feels like the angel was talking to somebody else. I imagine Gideon being like, What? Who? Me? I'm talking to me? This is like exactly what we do. When God is speaking to us and saying, you're my child, and I love you, I forgive you, it almost feels like he's talking to someone else because God speaks what he sees in us, but we act based on what we see around us. What is around you may not be the reflection of what is in you, but God always calls based on what he sees in you. He calls you mighty warrior. He calls you blessed. He calls you forgiven. He calls you loved. He calls you healed. And so on. Judges 6, 13-14. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, given us into the hand of the Midian. Of Midian, sorry. 
the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, you have and save Israel out of Egypt's hand. Am I not sending you? Follow me, my Lord, Israel replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in the nation, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, and answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. That is Judges 6 to 17. Church, I want to give you three things that I have learned in the Gideon experience. Number one, it's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to wrestle with God. This is what Gideon said in Judges 16 17. He said, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. Sometimes when you wrestle with God, you can find yourself asking for a sign. Because you're like, I want to really make sure that you are speaking to me, right? Maybe this up in my head or you are speaking to me. Many people have asked for a sign in the Bible. Many people have even doubted God. And my husband always said, it's okay to doubt God, so long as you don't believe in your doubt. Gideon asked for a sign three times, and he's not Gideon. So, it's okay for us for a sign, and it's okay to wrestle with God. A few Sundays ago, someone came to the church, and when my husband was preaching, they felt in their heart that God was telling them to pray for the door of the building. But they were wrestling with God, and they said, is it me, or is it God talking to me? And then, so while he was wrestling with God in his mind, you remember that one time God told him that whenever he tells you what to do, he should always find the green lights for that. Like he should always focus on the green lights, which means the reasons to do what God says, not on the red lights, which are the reasons not to do what God says. And as soon as he realized, he remembered that, the green light behind those ones started flashing really, really, really hard. And then he knew, that's it, that's my sign right there, I am going to do this. After the service, he came and saw us, and he's already given the money. $7,400. This person wrestled with God, but God gave him a sign. So in your wrestling with God, always look for green lights. Always look for reasons to do what God is telling you to do. Number two, it's okay to not understand God. It is okay not to understand God. Judges 7, verse 1 to 7. Early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near Hill of Moab. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now, announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will clean them out for you. 
If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall, shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate the men who lacks the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drunk from cut hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianite into your hands. Let all others go home. Again, this is very good. This doesn't make sense. So Gideon started with an army of 32,000 people. And even with the 32,000, he was still outnumbered because he was still outnumbered because Judges 7 12 says the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all other Eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Thick as locusts. Their camel cannot be counted from the sun on the seashore. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So at least Gideon, he could count his people. He had 32,000 people to rely on. But the Midianites were too many to remember. So for Gideon, already it was a step of faith to go to war with these 32,000 people. But the story does not end there. God asked him to ask him to send 22,000 people back home. Put yourself in Gideon's shoes. I think he's thinking seriously. Instead of giving this one title to drink of hard work, I would say, you're reducing people. You're about to go to a fight. And God asked him to cut the number of people. There can, there can never be too many people inside you in fight. Never. You need as many people as you can find. It's okay to not understand that. So, God asked him to put the 10,000 to test. After the test, God did not take away 7,000 or a few thousand, but he took almost the whole army away. He took 9,700 out of the 10,000. And Gideon remained, that's funny, with 300 people, plus three. So 301 people to go to war. It's okay not to understand that. Only 300 people to go and fight and have to fight. My husband always says, God's mind is not on you. If one person can fight 1,000, and two can fight 10,000, and God's mind, 300, 300 people can fight a multitude, millions. And it does not end there. God sent them to war without regular weapons. It's okay not to understand that. Judges 7 16. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in their hands, all of them, in the hand of all of them, with torches inside. Three of them. If you read carefully, you would understand that there is no regular weapon of war. There is no shield, there is no sword, there is no helmet, no horses. There's only weird, weird stuff. For the human mind, that is not how you go to war. But for God's mind, that is enough. It's okay not to understand that. 
If you wait until you have everything together, you will never experience miracles. You can't expect miracles. There's no nothing you can put together to try to experience miracles. You will just need some times in your life to just trust God and obey. You don't need to have all the resources. Trust God and obey. Now, God is not going to ask you to go to work with 300 people. But God will ask you sometimes to forgive. Forgiveness does not make sense. You know, I come from a country where war killed other people. Some people kill other people just because of their tribe. And God will ask you to forgive someone like that. And I'm sure some of you have been through a situation where someone has really harmed you, like really badly harmed you. And God is asking you to forgive that person. You feel like, God, like, are you kidding me? They don't just see what they did to me. That this is bad. Even in the Bible, this is bad. How am I going to forgive them? But that's the war in your heart. It's going to be a war in your heart where you have to forgive someone. Forgive someone like that. But as soon as you decide to forgive, you will be the one who's free. So it doesn't make it's okay not to understand. You're going to have to trust God and obey. For example, giving. God will ask you to give. You're like, you need money, God? Like, you don't need anything. You created everything. Everything is yours. Why would you ask me for money? It doesn't make sense. But when you give, if you ask someone who has given, in their heart, knowing they are giving to God, they'll tell you it's the best feeling ever. The best feeling ever. And the blessing that comes out of that, you can't do that. You don't have to trust God and just go and do what He says. It's okay not to understand God. Then we have to stop what He says sometimes. Number three, it's not okay to humanize God. It's not okay to humanize God. Normally, when you humanize something, you increase its value to the standard of a human being. For example, an animal. If you humanize an animal, you increase its value to a human being. But when you humanize God, you really decrease his value, his power, his intelligence to a, to a human standard. This is what God is. God is mighty. God is sovereign. He is in control. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God is eternal, without end or beginning. God is omnipresent. He is the creator. He created the whole universe. In other words, God knows everything, has the power to do anything, and is perfectly good. There is literally nothing he cannot do. So you cannot think of him as a human being. You cannot do that. He's not a human being. He is God. So if you come to him with that perspective, you know, you've already done right. Because you have the right perspective of God, of him who comes to visit. Judges 7, 20, 22. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed, and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hand the trumpets. They were, they were to the Lord. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for him. While each man held his position around the tent, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused 
men throughout the time to turn on each other with their swords. Remember from the beginning, God promised to be victory. God is not the king of mercy. He delivered what he promised. So even though Gideon wrestled with God, even though he did not understand God, Gideon believed God. Sometimes you will not understand God. You will be going through something right now and you do not understand what God is doing. Sometimes you even feel like he's not really thinking about you or near you or even you don't exist in his place. And God promises he is with you. But to the natural eye, it looks like no, he's not with you. Remember, God is not in your place. We should not demonize him. We should come to him knowing who he is. So the difference between God giving on before and Gideon after is the presence of God. The presence of God makes the difference. So you should never stop believing as long as you know God is on your side. If you, when you have the right perspective of God, you come to Him knowing that it's really not about you. It's not about me. God will use whatever is available for the task. You might say, oh, no, I can't preach. No, I can't do this. I can't do that. You believe something. That God, when God, if you, your perspective is, it's not about me. It's not about what I can do, really. It's about what God, the mighty one, the one who's in control, can do through me. You'll be amazed by God mighty. Mighty, mighty. So, you come to church and you go, you know, it's a blessing when you get to see each other when you come to church, when you fellowship, when you chat, when you laugh, when you do that. But I wonder if with that we have a great perspective of where we are coming. This is not like any other place. This is the place where God is. The God who's omnipotent, who's omnipresent, who's powerful, is here. So when we are here together, He is here. I wonder. It's okay not to understand God, but it's not okay to shut your eyes God. When you come to church, remember, you are coming to hear other people, you are coming to have a good time as well, but remember, you are coming to meet the King of Kings. The only one who can touch your heart, the only one who can do the impossible. None of us can do the impossible, but He can. So when you come to church, I pray that God will give you that perspective. When we come together, let, let's have that perspective of who God is. Then you will see wonders. We will see miracles. We will see signs. I pray that God will open our eyes to see His splendor, to see His might. I pray that He give us the grace to raise our expectations Whenever we are in his presence, remember, his presence makes the difference. His presence 